Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free and catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. everyone and welcome to the Lauren Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conlin. Hope everyone is having a great week. Um, I'm fighting a little bit of a, a cold, I think, just because of the weather changer. I don't know. I sound like such a such a typical mom when I say that. Oh, it's the weather. It's the weather changing. Um, and my mom doesn't even sound like that. She actually is Southern. So anyway, um, fun episode today. So I, with the Halloween spirit, I have Bill Mosley, who um, started off in horror movies in the 80s, 1986. He um, played Chop Top in, or Top Chop? Chop Top, whatever, in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I just looked it up. It's Chop Top. That's where he got his first big start. And then since then, he's literally been in hundreds of horror movies. Um, My favorite roles that – or favorite movies that he's in are The Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses. And I actually – those are the Rob Zombie ones. And I feel really stupid because I just found out there was a third one. Um, And I can't remember what it's called because no one really talks about the third one. But there is a third one and I'm going to figure it out. Um. But no, Bill was so nice and so he was very quirky, you know, and and it's funny because he's a handsome guy, but he and he even said it. He is basically unrecognizable on the street when he just walks down, you know, in his his regular clothes, regular face, because he just looks so scary in every single movie. But I loved him and I even got to do my Sherry Moon zombie laugh for him at the end. I should be embarrassed, but I'm not. I'm sure you guys will all cringe while I do it. (laughs) Sorry, that's awkward listening if you ever heard it. Um, And then my second guest is actually a good friend of mine, Madison Malloy. She is a comedian who just wrote a book. Um, Her book, I just received the book. Um, I ordered it off Amazon. So if you want to get it quickly, you can go on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. But um, it's funny. Her book is like almost like a self-help book, but it's very funny. And it's called Lighten the F Up. She actually spells the F word. Um, But yeah, Lighten the F Up. And it's just, you know, she, she's, you'll hear her talk about this, but she started, you know, with a career on Wall Street and just made this transition to becoming um, a comedian, which is obviously very ballsy. And, and, you know, she loves it and she's super happy with, with, um, you know, her decision and all the decisions she's made in her life. And I just, I I think you guys will love listening to her. Um, But yeah, without further ado, I'm going to first play my interview with Bill Mosley right after this. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom is built for your psychology and your biology, meeting you where you are. Noom weight uses psychology. That's why they say losing weight starts with your brain. But it also takes into account your unique biological factors, which also affect weight loss success. The program helps you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have cravings. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen 
for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available for pre-order wherever books are sold. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Hi, Bill. Hi, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Uh, I'm well. I'm actually down here in Lexington, Kentucky, looking out my hotel window, and I'm, I see in the distance, I see a weather vane. I was trying to figure out what it was, and it's actually a little horse. Oh, that's very we're in horse random. Country. Very yep. random. Very um, what are you yes, doing? What are you doing there? Um, I'm here at Scarefest, which is a weekend horror convention, and uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, shaking hands with the fans, hanging out with uh, Kane Hodder and Danielle Harris and yes. Berryman. Yeah. Wait, does does Sid Haig go to these things too? Because I saw your picture with him on your Instagram from like a few weeks ago. Yeah, Sid. Uh, Sid actually passed away a couple of years ago, but he actually was a regular oh. uh, on the convention circuit. Yeah, so I didn't had, realize. Uh, yeah. I thought that was recent. I was like, oh wow, I knew I hadn't heard from him in a while. I had no clue he passed away. Oh my gosh. Yes, that was that was a bit of a flashback. Yes, uh, Sid. Uh, I think it was two, maybe even three years ago. So. Uh, but uh, he's, uh, he's he's still here. He's kind of a he's a he's a he's an attending spirit. So it's, yes. Uh, you know, oh well, you know, Bill. I'm sorry for your loss. Um, I and I that's so random. He's he's definitely one of the scarier um horror movie actors I think of our time. Um, but you now you are like basically you're a genius. I think you are a true Renaissance man, and and you are absolutely a genius and people need to know how smart and amazing you are because I did not realize um how eclectic your career has been you know before I, I read up on you I just thought you were the super talented horror movie actor and then it turns out you know you're a journalist you wrote a movie you went to Yale I'm like I'm super impressed like super impressed well thanks you're welcome and let's not forget let's not, for, let's not forget uh the uh, the band Cornbugs with Buckethead. <laughs> well, I, I did forget. So thank you. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Now, I, you know, I first discovered you uh, like was, you know, in college, my now husband had said, have you ever seen the movie The Devil's Rejects or House of a Thousand Corpses? And I was like, no, I haven't. And we still talk about one night we stayed up till four in the morning, just binge watching these. And we just absolutely were terrified. Absolutely. Now, how did these films change your life? Well, I had, uh, you know, the, my life originally changed. I mean, I was in New York City working as a freelance writer uh, for a bunch of different magazines. And I, um, I, I did a movie called uh, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part yeah. Two back in 1986. And that really changed things up. And once I had done that, um, 
I took my pregnant girlfriend, Lisa Tickner, and we got into a car. Well, actually, we didn't. I think we actually just flew uh, to uh, Los Angeles and, and moved, out, moved out to Hollywood. Wow. Uh, because I, you know, somebody said, you know, you know, you're good at this. You ought to try it as a career. So of course, that's all I needed to hear as a 35 year old. And, uh, you know, I <laughs> went out me and me and the pregnant, the pregnant girlfriend following the star, kind of like, uh, you know, a certain famous bunch uh, that followed mm-hmm. a star and had a baby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it was it was uh, it was really just kind of a, a, a you know a, a hope like so many other people that come to uh, come to Hollywood. But uh, for some reason, uh, you know, I started getting work. I I got work thanks to uh, Tom Savini, who was actually the special effects makeup person on Chainsaw Two. Uh, okay. He then uh, hired me to play Johnny in his remake of Night of the Living Dead. And um, I think the more you the more you do anything. Uh, and the more uh, exposure you get, uh, the more work comes in if you've done a good job. And so uh, right. I actually was emceeing a horror award show one night in October of 99 uh, over at Universal Studios in Burbank, California. And one of the award recipients was Rob Zombie. And I did the MC job dressed as Chop Top, my character from Chainsaw 2. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. Rob freaked out and thought, oh, my God, it's Chop Top, because he was a big fan of that character. Yeah. And uh, a month later, I got the script for A House of a Thousand Corpses and was told to look at the part of Otis. And yeah. so, you know, it just kind of, you know, one thing leads to another. You know, it's just funny. I, I like how you brought everything back to Texas Chainsaw, because, yes, you are very well known for your character Chop Top. But I guess to me... House like Rob Zombie just has this crazy cult following that I think I was just curious like did your star power just completely go up after those movies because I do feel like they're cult classics right like they people are obsessed with those movies more so than other horror movies I would say uh yes it absolutely it absolutely went up Mm -hmm. um you know because because it's actually it's a it's a different character you know, right, but we're right. the same. And I thought when when Rob originally hired me, I thought he just wanted his own version of Chop Top. But yeah. he led me away from Chop Top to uh, really kind of a, you know, a kick-ass Otis. Yes. And I, I really identified more with Chop Top as kind of a sketchy, funny, crazy character. Mm. And um, I didn't really think of myself as, you know, as a badass, shirtless, long-haired, almond <laughs> brother, you know, ass kicker and yes. uh, yes. Bob saw that in me and I, I'm, I'm, I'm forever grateful that he saw that in me. Yeah, no, I love that. And it's, you're, you're definitely a handsome guy. You, you definitely don't, um, you know, when I showed my husband your picture, he said, well, what does he look like, you know, in everyday life? And I was like, he looks like this. He's like very handsome. And he was like very shocked just because the way they make you look in all these movies, it's amazing. It's truly incredible. Yeah, well, you know, uh, the, the nice thing about all of the parts that I played or the major ones is mm-hmm. that I uh, usually have some kind of makeup or a beard or long hair or whatever's going yeah. on. And uh, so when I actually, you know, I live out in, uh, you know, outside of Los Angeles and when I'm in the supermarket or walking on the street, et cetera, et cetera, uh, yeah. no one ever recognizes me. That's honestly, you know, I, I, was just I am, thinking I am that. surprised when they do, when people come up and go, are you Bill Mosley? And I go, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what took you so long? <laughs> That's actually awesome, Bill. You actually have the best of both worlds where you honestly, it's you work true. so much. I mean, your IMDb, people don't understand how much you actually work because you do look so different in every single movie, which is so crazy. I didn't even think about that. You have like four movies in production right now like that I saw on IMDb. And then you have like five more in 2022 that I saw that are already out. And I'm just like, wow, this guy is, is a busy guy. And, and it's great. You really do have the best of both worlds. Can't get over that. Yes. And I, I have to, I have to give a shout out to my, my manager, Judy, who yeah. uh, really, you know, keeps me, keeps, keeps feeding me. I'm like the, uh, I'm like <laughs> the lion in the cage and she keeps tossing the meat in. So I mean, very, it's, very grateful it's, for that. it's coming to you and people, you know, when you, like I said, you do an incredible job. And, and I think it also takes a special type of person to, I would say, compartmentalize a lot of these roles, right. And not having it sort of affect your everyday life. And, you know, when I, I saw you worked with Darren Bowsman, I've interviewed him before and he was one of my favorite interviews. Cause I'm like, you are a sick man, but you appear to be so um, average, like you've been like the regular guy next door, you know, Joe next door, but you have a sick, twisted brain. <laughs> he definitely does. Right. Right. I had, so much, I had so much fun doing, doing repo, the genetic opera with Darren. Darren yeah. is awesome. Yeah. No, but he, yeah, um, you know, we, we actually go home at the, at the end of the day, we go home to, uh, you know, for me, wife, two kids, I have two daughters. Mm. Uh, one is 35, the other one's 24. So they've been wow. with me pretty much, you know, as I say, since, uh, since the, you know, the pregnant, pregnant mom and I went yes. out to California to follow that star. I love you know, that when so after, <clears throat> When you come home after doing Devil's Rejects and you've been killing people and doing all kinds yeah. of horrible yeah. stuff, uh, you know, you've got, you can't really bring that home with you, uh, or mm. else, uh, family life gets a little disrupted. So, but I have to yeah. say that when I was doing Otis, uh, my daughter's room was always very clean. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, that's so crazy. I, you know, it's funny because you think about that a lot, you know, a lot of actors who've had to do these roles, they truly, they are not able to compartmentalize and that ultimately has been their demise. So that's another thing that you really have going for you, Bill. You're really able to switch it on and off. Cause like you said, taking Otis home with you after killing a bunch of cheerleaders, that probably is not the healthiest uh, thing to do, you know, um, upon you know, yeah, it's funny, their I, in, Devil, in Devil's Rejects, especially, um, you know, I would do these scenes and then when Rob would say cut, I would just pop out like a piece of toast out of a toaster and <laughs> I would uh, crack a joke or do something. And Rob had to, Rob, Rob chided me uh, a couple of times because there are other actors that have that same process that, you know, okay. that are into it. I don't know, you know, whatever that's called, uh, but yeah. they're, they stay in it for like, you know, months at a time. Right. And, uh, for me, it's just like, uh, it, it almost is like holding my breath. I mean, I go into that world, into that character, but as soon as I hear cut, you know, I'm back to being Bill. And, uh, you know, sometimes yes. that, I have to remember that, that everybody, you know, different actors have different ways of approaching a character and a job. So I try yeah. not to crack too many jokes. 
Oh, that's interesting. You're right. A lot of actors will, you know, they'll stay in character for three months at a time. You're totally right. Um, well, Bill, yes, I want to do method, this. The method actors. Yeah. Yes, exa exactly. Exactly. I'm actually, I'm grateful to hear that you are not a method actor. <laughs> no. But, um, you know what no. I do is I just, I, I, I exercise what is, I exercise a muscle called the imagination. Good. And, uh, Good. You know, if you keep exercising it and you, know, you stay in shape, uh, you can do anything at any time. Yes. No, I agree with that. Now, just to just to wrap this up, because um, we're out of time, I want to do my impression and I want you to be honest. This is my Sherry Moon zombie laugh. Are you ready for this? Yep. Okay. Get ready. Okay. I think it's really good. You draw it out a little too much. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. You hit that you you know high notes, but it, it doesn't oh. go on that long. Okay. That was, you know what? Do it. You do it. Do it again. Okay. That was better. That was better. That was better. I practice no, yours, all the time. Yours, yours is a better laugh. I'm just yeah. saying you, you wanted it. You wanted a, you know, harsh, harsh, harshly critical. It's I did. Just, I did. Make it, make it abbreviate it a little bit and you got it completely. Okay. Amazing. You guys all heard that. I got criticism from Bill Mosley about my Sherry Moon zombie laugh. I'm so proud. Well, Bill, congratulations no, again. You got happy all... instruction. Yeah. Yes. Uh, sorry. Instruction. Yeah. But congrats on all your success and have a great time. On... Okay. That was Bill Mosley. Super adorable. Um, I, you know, I guess I should have focused more on Chop Top. I, I, there was the question when I just asked him if like the Rob Zombie movies changed his life. I truly meant that because I felt like those movies had such a cult following, but I mean, I guess clearly Texas Chainsaw Massacre had that following too. I just didn't follow it. So anyway, um, all right, let's move on to Maddie Malloy because I really like her, you guys. And I think you're going to like her as well. Hi, Maddie. Hey, Lauren. What's going on? Um, it's been so long since I've seen you. I know. So long, so long since last night at your amazing book party. How are you feeling this morning? How is the press tour going? Everything is going great. I couldn't be happier. And I just feel that, you know, more opportunities coming and life is good. Okay, great, great. So there was a lot of great reception last night to your book. So now just for, for people that aren't aware, your book came out, I believe, two days ago, and it's called Lighten the Fuck Up. Um, you drop quite a few F-bombs, you said. I just ordered the book, so I haven't read it yet. But um, give me give me some feedback on, on what made you write this, why you wanted to write this, and just what you're excited for everyone to read. Yeah, so I had my own um, struggles, uh, especially, you know, leaving Wall Street and deciding to follow my dream, which I was not uh, realistic about at the time, nor did I do the due diligence realizing that it was going to be a very long road with a low, low statistical success rate. Um, mm -hmm. And you really had to love it and want it. And so I kind of fell into my own, you know, depression and anxiety and getting in my own way, having a scarcity mindset. And finally, <clears throat> pardon me, when I was able to release those chains and kind of, you know, light me up up, I was <laughs> able to see through like the, the clouds and, and finally was able to get out of that scarcity mindset, realize that I was living in an abundant mindset and there were countless opportunities. And the only thing that were preventing me from grasping those opportunities was my own self. 
And mm. so I wanted to write a real funny, unfiltered, raw take on self-help because yeah. I wanted to have analogies in there that people would remember. And I also really wanted people not only to like, I think when you laugh, you naturally lighten the F up. <laughs> yes. Is, right. You know? Yeah. No, definitely. You can like remember it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm like, hey, I'm living this great life. I've figured out how to get out of my own way and everybody else deserves the same. So here is my guide to you. And I that's, hope it helps everybody. Okay. No, that's super interesting. I, because it's every, no, go ahead. But yeah, so it, it, it really covers everything. You know, I always say behind a brilliant, catchy title, um, there's everything from, you know, finding your faith to, to freeing your finances to uh, stop judging others, to stop being offended, to uh, <laughs> get rid of tunnel vision. Yeah, yeah, so it's no. Everything life, you know what I mean? Time to yes. reevaluate your relationship. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, I All did not, stuff. I didn't realize that you worked on Wall Street and then you, um, then you, you gave Wall Street up to do comedy. Is that correct? Well, we had a financial crisis in 2008, so it made the decision mm-hmm. a little bit easier. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but still like that, I cannot believe that. I'm just sitting here thinking like I would, I can't even imagine doing comedy or just quitting my secure job to, you know, have that. I mean, I can imagine with comedy, like the highs are super high, but the lows must've been really low. Like it's so scary to me to think about Uh, getting up on stage, telling jokes, you know? Yeah. I mean, I loved it, but the fact is it it was a hard road. There's no such thing in comedy or the arts as a base salary to get you by. So, you know, I ended up going from like a Wall Street analyst job to making more than all my friends graduating college to then, you know, having to pick up temp shops where I was getting people's coffee just to pay (laughs) my rent going what the heck have I done with my life? No wonder I was so miserable looking for an escape, thinking to myself, and I was trapped. And you know me, Lauren, I was trapped in this very wealthy face. Mm-hmm. So if I said to anyone, oh, well, I'm struggling, they'd be like, oh, please go back yeah. to Greenwich to your mansion. I'm like, yeah. I don't have one. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. And what is your parent? Like I met your parents last night and they're so lovely and they're so supportive, but I can't imagine that they were thrilled when you gave up like a secure job on wall street. Actually, it was my dad that convinced me to be a stand-up comedian. Really? Yep. Because I had a brief stint where I tried to start my own uh, B2B commerce company in the pet industry Unfortunately, there was a lot of different factors playing into the fact that we didn't make it. And uh, I talk about that in the book. And at that point, I said, well, I already had two failed careers. I got nothing to lose. And my dad said, well, why don't you just stop chasing the money and just do what you actually really love to do? Figure that out. I said, well, Mm -hmm. I love making people laugh and saying inappropriate things. And he said, well, you should be a a comedian. I said, that is insane. Are you out of your mind? And then we would talk and he would say, did you get on stage? Did you get on stage? And finally I did. And it became an addiction. Did I realize the road was going to be so difficult ahead of me? Absolutely Mm. not. I wouldn't have done it, which is why I tell every entrepreneur or somebody that wants to do something different or follow their passion. First, be realistic about it. But second of all, just focus on A, B, and C, because if you focus on A to Z, you're never going to start because you're going to be overwhelmed. And I think right. sometimes it's better that we don't know what's up ahead of us because 
those pains are really kind of help you grow and help you develop. And if it wasn't for comedy and my struggles, I would not have this amazing new book that I hope is going to change people's lives. So I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to read it, Maddie. I really can't wait. I, all the things that you're talking about, um, I didn't realize that it was, you packed so much into it, you know? I mean, it's very, it sounds very eclectic, each chapter. Yeah. So I think, you know, a few people got it early and they were reading, they've read it and, or they're trying, they're not done yet, but they mm-hmm. had said like, wow, I, I really didn't realize how much great information was in this. I had one woman say to me, um, I'm going to post about this book, but like, I think every mother or father should buy this book as a mandatory gift for Christmas or Hanukkah to their high school or college age or post-college grad because it is like, wow, hey, you're going to make all these mistakes. Mm -hmm. Here's a guide to help you avoid that. Here's somebody who got in her own way. Here's how not to do it. And I was so flattered by that. She goes, I really didn't know what I was getting into, but the the information behind some of the, the, you know, the F words and the, in the, in the dick jokes. Um, it's very useful. So. Yeah. No, totally, totally. And um, do you have plans to to go back on stage and do a comedy tour or anything like that? Or are you just sort of focusing on the book right now? So I was focusing on the book, but I'm also going to be going into, uh, and I'm actually in, in Dallas this weekend, but I'm going to be doing uh, more public speaking. So I'll have my cool. jokes in there, but I really want to grace the stage as a public speaker so I can have, uh, you know, speak more of my message, inspire and help more people along with making them laugh. And I'll still be doing comedy, but I loved comedy. However, um, you were so restricted because your job was to make them laugh. So it mm-hmm. was punch, 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 out, punch, 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 out, where uh, where public speaking, I feel like I can really deliver my message and impact the world which is mm. what I, uh, makes me happy. It's my passion is to help people. Yes. That sounds, that sounds honestly amazing and actually so perfect for you. Um, you mentioned in your book, you know, you talk a lot about stop being offended. I mean, does it make you nervous to go up in front of a, an audience knowing how people are offended by, if you like assume their gender at this point? I mean, not really. I try to kind of steer clear of that type of of material. Um, But I also feel that we are kind of catering towards a very small percentage that's very loud. Mm, So I don't think people are as offended as we think they actually are. If you talk to most people, I think they're pretty, pretty fed up with how offended people are. And we need to stop kind of cowtailing to the pot, to the, you know, 2%. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And also like, you know, we've all been offended in our life, but one of the things that was so interesting and I had to put it in the book is like how, when you do get offended, pay attention to how your body feels, right? Your heart starts Mm -hmm. racing, your palms might sweat, you feel angry. Whatever's going on in your body when you feel offended is not healthy. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. like this fire flight mechanism that kicks in and it ages you, right? Because stress ages you. And so, and when you get offended, you chose to be offended. Usually when you're offended, people didn't purposely set out to offend you. And Mm -hmm. the whole thing with comedy was so interesting is when people get offended at comedy clubs, it's such BS because what people don't understand was that those jokes have been pre-written. They've probably been done 
50 to 100 times on stage. They've right. been fine-tuned. That joke is not about you. And the fact that you're personalizing it to then be offended by it, don't be a narcissist. Nothing yeah. <laughs> is about you. Usually 99% of the shit is not about you. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, That it's actually funny. I said the other day, I was like, you know, I think part of this whole being offended by everything is almost a little bit of white privilege, you know, like you have too much time on your hands. And like you said, you're choosing to be offended by this. But I love how you just said um, it's a small percentage of people who are very loud because that is is so well said. And I think that the other issue is that the media keeps putting so much attention on, you know, when someone's offended. And I think, you know, the Kanye thing um, with like the White Lives Matter is is a big one at this point where it's like it got so much attention that it was completely blown up. And this is clearly my opinion, but um yeah. And, you know, I don't see that stopping anytime soon. I think these articles are the most clicked on. They're the most opened. I think that, you know, as long as it keeps making money, yeah. they're going to still, yeah, they're going to still uh, keep going. Oh, Jesus. Sorry. That was what my was that? iPhone. It just like went crazy. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Yeah. And did you hear that? That was so weird. Like, no, what did it do? Oh, I don't know. It just like, it was like a weird emergency sound. I always feel like my iPhone's like watching me and, and listening to my every move. So that's the conspiracy theorist in me, Maddie. So anyway. <laughs> it's not a conspiracy theorist. Uh, your phone is listening to you. So yeah. I've actually yeah. said funny things in my phone. Seeing Wait, if they what's were that? Really listening to me. I've actually said funny things in my phone to see if they would actually listen and show up to my door. That's great. That's so great. Yeah, oh my God. It, it, they never did. <laughs> I they love that. Um, well, Madison, tell everybody what else you're working on and where they can find you. Yeah. So um, you can follow me on Instagram at, at real Madison Malloy. I also have a weekly uh, podcast called Next to Madison, which you have been on. I did yes. a great job. <laughs> Thank it's you. A great episode. Yeah. It's a podcast to make you happier, healthier, and wealthier. We've been around for over three and a half years. There's 180 episodes, so you can go and either listen to them all or you can find something that resonates with you and check that out. Definitely uh, go get the book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, Time to Lighten the Bleep Up. It starts with an F. Everybody can figure it out. Easiest way to find it is just put my name into Madison Malloy into Amazon. It will pop right up because this is my first book. Oh, I love it. And I love that I just went out and said the F word and you're like so classy about it. You're like, oh, the F, the F, F, F. I'm like, yeah, fuck, fuck, fuck. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, well, um, I'm like, am I on a, well, I keep laughing because I'm like, am I on a radio show? Am I on no, a podcast? You must have been have so confused. I, yeah, that's why I was like, people aren't going to find my book if they type in the F. So I was like, well, it's actually spelled out, but we're on radio. Right. So yes, I'm hoping exactly. that people you, will get that. Yes, you were on live radio but the, but before. The other I get thing that. Too, yeah, exactly. And the other <laughs> thing too is like, um, you know, I, I guess what I'd want to leave your listeners with is mm -hmm. like, yeah, stop being offended and, uh, you know, stop judging others. Um, because I feel like when you get offended or you judge others, uh, it actually chips away at your self-confidence. And when mm. you have low confidence, you cannot reach your destiny or your goals. It will make everything more difficult. So, um, yes. yeah, pick up Amen. a copy of my book and start living your best life. Amen. Wise words from Madison Malloy. Everybody go out and buy her book, Lighten the F Up, spelled out F word. Thank you so much, Maddie. I hope I can see you soon again. 
do well and thank you. I appreciate you. Have a good one. Bye. All right. Bye, Lauren. All right. Well, that is it for this week's episode of Lauren Interviews. Um, if you like this podcast, don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you listen. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's happening um, with me. And also, I wanted to point out, if you are in need of um, some celebrity gossip, I have joined the team over at Nikki Swift Celeb, which is Static Media, um, as one of their reporters. So I'm writing all types of fun entertainment stories for that site now. Um, okay. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time. Until next time.